Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. It's only your favorite author, uh, podcast host, Shekilola Salami. And you're welcome to the virtual cafe. That is the Shekilola Salami show. I feel like I always talk about the weather, right? Do you get that? Do you feel like people in the UK just talk about the weather all the time? It's like, it's either raining or we get a bit of sunshine or it's winter time. I will really try to not talk about the weather so much today, she says. Um, Anywho, who have I got here with me today? Oh, that's me. Um, Do you know, I... I, I, Yes, that's you. uh, That must have been a satellite. We can edit that out in post. Um, Yeah, it's uh, James H. Logmore, um, author extraordinaire, um, publisher, uh, scriptwriter, radio star, um, philanthropist. Um, yeah, do you know, I, and I wanted to talk about the weather uh, because I'm, I'm, this is very bizarre. Obviously, I'm a Yorkshireman, uh, but I'm calling in from Houston, Texas. And um, it's, it's literally trying to talk about the weather here is, it, it, you know, having spent my life in England, it's boring because it's like, it's sunny, it's hot, it's hot. <laughs> it's, at least in England, you know, you, you, you have fluctuations here. It is literally, we have probably a week, sometimes two weeks, um, where it's a bit nippy. Uh, and he's I mean, by, by, by a bit nippy here. And people, it's funny, we, we, we go, I take my daughter to the bus stop, and we can be stood at the bus stop in our, our shorts and T-shirts, just, you know, and they've got their coats and scarves, and they look at me like I'm the worst parent on the planet. Why is she not going to coat her? Because she's a Yorkshire lass, you know, she's half Yorkshire. She, this is not cold. This is, this is sitting on the beach in England, whether this is. Um, and it's, it literally, if it dips below sort of 75, people are always cold. They've got the heating on and the coats on. And seriously? <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice balmy day in England, that. Um, but yeah, and then of course, when, when we do get weather, we, I mean, having just lived through um, my first hurricane here, which was Harvey, which hit in back end of August. Um, when we do get weather, we get it. <laughs> what was the style. experience having a hurricane? Because that's what I'm scared about. Oh, do you know, it was, it was terrifying because, you know, I, I was home and we literally, because we knew it was coming, we hunkered down, we, we, we got water in, we, we, we showed up the house, we did everything we could, and it was literally because they, they were saying, you know, just stay put. Um, and I, I, I slept downstairs on the couch for three or four nights, just just because the water started coming in, and literally just that constant fear. I mean, just watching I mean, it just it rained solid. There was the howling wind. Things were blowing about, but it was the rain mostly. Just watching it, it filled the street, and it was creeping up towards the house. And it was like, you know, we, we were we had our plan if it, if it came into the house to get the hell out. Uh, thankfully, it did not. Um, the subdivisions either side of us flooded, so we, we must be on a bit of higher ground, and we, we managed to dodge it. The street was, it was about four or five foot in the street, but we were a little bit higher up. But it was—it was probably the most terrifying thing I've, I've been through, um, because wow. you, you know, again, we, we, we had we had the, what they call the tax day floods last year, uh, which was around April, obviously, and um, you know, we we know people who you know, were rescued from the homes then, and those same estates were flooded again. Um, so, and I was 
following people on Facebook, you know, friends on Facebook. There's like one friend of mine who's like the other end of Houston, who he's he was away, he was working away, and his wife and kids um, were at home, and they ended up being rescued from their roof. Wow. Um, and it, she, she, I remember she posted just as he started trickling in through her front door, under her front door, and then. You know, it, it got deeper and deeper, and then eventually the last one. Who, in fact, she actually, uh, her daughter, um, posted a, a, a small video clip of her, of, of the three of them in a boat, taken away from the house in a boat. So that's how bad it, I mean, it was just, you know, just the thought of what will happen. I was, I was, I've got, my wife was working away. Um, me and the two kids, I've got to think about evacuating the kid. We have four dogs. Oh, they're going to be on their own pretty much. <laughs> You know, it's, um, but yeah, yeah, it, 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 being used to, you know, British weather, which is, is pretty much constant, you know, um, never, never been through anything. Hopefully that's it. And they say it's like a, a hundred year hurricane. Hopefully that's it now. So here we are talking wrong. about the weather. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing that we can't help it. It's just everything you should, about you the should weather. have known. You should have known you're getting another Brit on. We're going to talk about the weather because that's... I know. I didn't even think about that, you know. But does that make you want to come back to London or to the UK? Um, no. <laughs> no, I, I like it. We've been, we've been here. I mean, I, I, I want to come back and visit because I, I do miss England, obviously. Uh, I've been here about seven years now. And no, I, I like it. You know, the people are okay. The weather's... It's nice. I mean, it gets really, really hot obviously during the summer, but it's great, you know, the school's, it, it is good, you know, we, we, we've got a good life here, so, but yeah, I do want to come back, um, come back and visit just, at some point visit. soon. Again? As a just to visit, though, not to live here anymore. I just to visit, yeah, I just like to catch up, I, mean, I don't have a big family, I've got my dad and my sister, obviously got friends over there, I just like to come over for a week and do the rounds and see people and have a, have a proper beer and a proper curry. <laughs> And a kebab <laughs> and all the stuff I really fish and chips. I you know I crave fish and chips. They they it's funny over here they they have what they call um what they call you know oh, it's a British pub you know it's a Britain when I got here you got to go to this place you got to go to this proper British pub we do fish and chips and proper beer and that and it's not it's not I mean for me you know the British pub is the you know the sort of dingy smoky place, you know, down the high street somewhere full of sad old men playing dominoes. And here <laughs> they, 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 they stick a, a sort of a Man United poster up on, on, on the wall and they, they say it's a British pub and it isn't. And then they, they bring the fish and chips out and it's like, that nah, is not fish. You know, and you ask them for mushy peas and they look at you like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> well, mushy peas and fish and chips. Well, in fact, some, I, I, I told I had to tell one place off because I said, yeah, can I, obviously, I need salt and vinegar from the What? Salt and vinegar from fish and chips. I've got salt. <laughs> you don't have it. They didn't have malt. How can you call yourself a British pub serving fish and chips with no malt vinegar, really? <laughs> you know, I've never been there. Never been since. Never never went back. And so I had to eat these fish and chips without vinegar, and it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> So everybody from Houston listening, get get some malt vinegar in, all right? Or I'm not coming back. You know, I'm, I'm, ten, I'm, I'm, I'm tempted actually just to take my own bottle because we can actually um, because there's a, there's a, a big um, British and Scottish contingent in Houston because of the the oil industry. 
and I don't bump into quite a few Brits. Um, so you know, the, the, the big supermarkets tend to have decent sort of, and it's kind of funny buying my stuff from you know the foreign aisle. You know, so mm. like wheat bits, um, <laughs> custard powder, and um, you know, uh, sarsen vinegar. You know, you have to go to the, the foreign aisle. You know, and it's like, mm. <laughs> it's really but at least I can get it. You know, I mean, there's a, there's a specialty shop downtown called Br- British Isles. Um, wow. And they do everything British. I mean, literally, they do selection boxes. They do proper Easter eggs because they don't do Easter eggs here either. Um, you know, like the, you know the big ones, the big overpriced. You've been on another planet. It is. It is like on another planet. And sometimes I, I ask the thing, and they look at me like, hmm? "What? What? <laughs> what are you talking about?" <laughs> but I'm, I'm kind of used to it. I'm kind of used to it now. Yeah. So tell us about wit before we go, right? So I guess you know it's a virtual cafe, and really, I should, you know, what about if I give you bangers and mash? Would that make it up? As long as it's got onion gravy all over it and a Yorkshire pudding, yes. Okay, you know what? You see my virtual cafe, it is the most amazing type in the whole wide world, right? It is very futuristic, right? Because a few months ago, it used to be my little girl, you know, who comes in and she helps me to get everybody's drinks and stuff. But then she goes, you know what, mom? I'm growing older. I'm two and a half. I need to go to nursery. I can't be in your virtual cafe all the time, you know, <laughs> doing your leg work for you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I didn't have to upgrade my kitchen, right? My virtual cafe kitchen. And so uh-huh. now it's kind of those Star Trek type, um, you know, intergalaxy uh, spaceship kitchen. One of those ones where you just press a button and anything oh, you, you can know, like food-wise, I really you want can one get. of those. You just type it in and it makes it. I love that. Yeah. And the crockery as well, which is great. Even makes the plates, which is it's amazing. I always wonder that actually because I've, I've been watching. I don't know if you've got it over there, the Orville, um, which is kind of kind of a Star Trek as done by Seth MacFarlane, um, and they have one of those. And I thought, well, where, who does the washing up? Because there's no sinks. <laughs> I mean, it, this thing makes plates and, and, and glasses and, and knives and forks. Who who washes all that shit up? You know, what I mean. It's, it's, they don't have like an intergalactic tentacle monster sort of sat there you know, doing, <laughs> doing, doing the dishwasher, which well, I would. Got, I would get. Got, you know, we've got our interstellar uh, washing machine uh, dishwasher as well. <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. Just press the button and it washes. I, again, I need one of those. We have a dishwasher that's. Uh, I think it's on its last legs. Bless it. We have to put some things through like two or three times. Um, or we're at the point now where we, we wash things before we put them in the dishwasher. Which kind of defies the. <laughs> not really the point, yeah. but um, you know, bless it, it's doing all right. Still working. I'll touch wood for now. Yes, for now, for now, for now. So tell me about your books. Which ones? There are there are several now. Um, How many have you written? My, uh, I have. Hang on, I've got, I've got there on my shelf. I have got, I think, five novels. And two or three novellas, and a short story collection, and short stories sort of dotted all over the place. Most of which I, I sort of pulled together for my collection, Blood and Kisses, which came out earlier this year. So I've been busy, boy. I've been, and all all that I've done in the last sort of four or five years. Right. So what? So, um, have they all been in the same genre? Or have you written in different genres? Do you know? No, they're all pretty much 
uh, horror or sort of variations thereof. Um, you know, that's always been that's always been my first love. Uh, yeah, I, it's just I, I think it's just the way my brain's wired up. To be quite honest with you, uh, in my I actually wrote what in my collection. There's a great little. It's like a, it, it, I mean, it's it's almost like a sci-fi. Um, it's probably the closest I've got to science fiction, um, but it, it's got a horror twist to it. Um, yeah, so that's probably the nearest I've gone. Now, I've strayed into sort of bizarro, which is a sort of a subgenre of horror, which is more like if, if, if Monty Python wrote horror stories, that would be bizarro. <laughs> and, um, which it, it was fun, you know, because you can just sort of. Uh, Break break a few boundaries, and it doesn't matter if, if some of the scenario is a bit ridiculous, because that's the point. The point is to make it as ridiculous and outlandish as possible. Uh, which was actually my, my my the first novel I actually had published here was um, the Erotic Odyssey of Colton Forshay, which was uh, which is a bizarro novel, and it was fun. It was fun to write, you know, because you know normal rules don't apply. <laughs> But the others, yeah, the others are all all sort of good old good old horror. My, the, the first horror um, book that I had published is called Bead, which is uh, a homage to the late great James Herbert, mm-hmm. who I think obviously your, your British listeners will will identify more with him than I mean, he he made it over here, but not quite as well. I know in England he was like the British Steve, he used to outsell Stephen King uh, in his day. really um, the very yep yeah, the very very first adult grown-up horror book I ever read was when I was ooh, 10, 11, and I read... So some, somebody brought the rats into school. Um, of course, we all passed it around, and that just blew me away. I was like, what? this is... You know, this is the future of horror. This is just phenomenal. You know, having read, you know, obviously kids' horror and some of the, the, the classics, the you know, H.G. Wells and John Wyndham, that sort of thing. And then to read James Herbert, who's just so refreshing, so raw and visceral I thought that just really appealed to me so my my and I I, I always wanted to write a good because I love creature movies and creature books um but I, I could never think of my my creature because obviously you try and think I mean everything's been done I mean I, I, I once watched a horror film about killer rabbits and that was just like the least frightening creature on the planet is a bunny rabbit and these things were <laughs> hopping around killing this so seriously this is just yeah, it's just it was funny more than anything, but um, and it's, it's it's one of those bizarre things. I mean, what I, I by education, I, I'm a zoologist. Actually, I have a degree in zoology from Leeds University. If anybody over there is listening, um, mm. and so I've handled and dissected and fiddled with not I shouldn't say that. So <laughs> let's stick with handled. Um, <laughs> just about, you, you, you name it, you name the animal. I mean, we have a zoo full of animals at home here. We have snakes and lizards and all sorts of things. Um, so no, nothing really. The, the one, the one creature on the face of this planet that really creeps me out is the giant centipede. Really? Um, I, I, it's just something. There's too many bloody legs. Really, too many legs. Um, and they just creep me out. It's just something about the centipedes. Millipedes, not a problem. The cent- um, and it's just one of those things, and it just sort of dawned on me. Thought, well, I, I want to write, write a creature book, and you know, what really for- and yeah, giant. So I wrote a novel about giant centipedes, which um, has been incredible, selling incredibly well, actually. And it is, it's a good old, you know, it's my homage to James Herbert and Guy M. Smith and, you know, all the 
the good old creature movies. I mean, the, one of the first movies I remember watching as a kid was Them. The old black mm-hmm. and white, it was 1954, 56, about the giant ants. And again, that knocked me out. I was like, wow. That's all. I mean, I'd like to see it again, actually, just because I'm sure the, the, the effects are a little bit out, you know. But, you know, again, just the creature thing appealed to me. So, yeah, Pete was born. And I had that picked up by um, Black Bed Sheet Books over here. And it's been out nearly two years now. It's doing well. Doing well, one of my favourite. I'll always be excited, probably be always my favourite, really, because it's, you know, <laughs> it's creepy. Right, so I can, I can, I can, you know, I can see where you get your inspiration, you know, for, you know, the books that you write, because obviously the books you read as a, as a little one, you know, seems to have influenced you. But mm-hmm. you see, sometimes, right, I used to think it takes a special type of person to write horror. Right, like I'm, I'm a big woods, right? And I don't know if you know this author called M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know how to pronounce it. If I'm pronouncing it correctly, do you, I do you know. I right, and then when I'm thinking, you must be a different kind of crazy to be able to do such, you know, such a thing. Like, and I think to myself, and when I say it, I don't mean it in a bad way. Like, oh my God, you're crazy. How, how, you know? I mean it in like. I'm I'm paying homage to your mind. Your mind is like so. When I see, and sometimes I think I would like to write horror, but I don't think I've got it in me. So what 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 goes on in your mind? How do you bring you know a story that you're not even scared of yourself, right? Because when I think of the things that I think, right, I'm scared, like right. I'm like there is no way. It's like I feel like when I'm putting it into words, I'm making it become real, and it's like oh my good lord. It's a funny one um, because it took me a long, long time before I realised that not everybody thinks the same way as me. Um, and it's something you realise when, when you when you start speaking to other writers that you realise that uh, you know you, you you're not alone because there are obviously people with, with, with creative brains. But people, you know, it's funny we call them non-creative. You know, like you've got Harry Potter, they call them the, the, the regular folk muggles. We call them non-creatives. You know, and so it's non-creative people, and they don't. It, 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 it's down to just the way your brain works. You know, and it, it, it's as simple as that. Obviously, you know, being be, being a scientist by education, I can get that. Um, you know, and it, we we look at things in a different way. You know, we will see an everyday scenario. Uh, you know, you can be studying a studying a queue at you know the post office or you know the supermarket or whatever, and just it, it's it's difficult to explain. You know, you know somebody was would just think you know I'm yeah I'm studying a queue, and then. I would be there. Well, you know, what what if what if suddenly that guy was attacked by a you know a, a, a rabid kangaroo or something? You know, it's just <laughs> your brain just sort of fires just bizarre scenarios off, and some will stick, some won't. Um, some things will just float literally out of your mind from nowhere. And I had this conversation with a fellow writer a while ago, and she was saying. You know, you think, well, where did that come from? You know, what, what in my life? I, it's not something I've seen, not something I've seen on TV, not something I've experienced, but this has just appeared. 
um, almost like spontaneously, and and it it, um, it, it can be very much uh, a, a collision of ideas. I think that's you imagine you get all these all this input coming into your brain, and your brain sorts it all out. I mean. A writer's brain, or again, members of music. I mean, think musicians. I mean, you know, Brian Wilson used to hear the entire song in his head before he wrote one note down, you know? So you've got that sort of brain going on. So your brain will take a bit of that idea, a bit of that idea, some of that idea, maybe it's that idea, but and sort of lump them, and they float around in there, and they sort of bump, bump together, and every now and then a couple will stick. And so, you know, idea A and idea P will sort of glue together and form, you know, what could be just a, you know, a one-liner. It could be a whole novel. It could, I mean, my second novel, Flanagan, mm. was actually um, created. Came, I actually dreamt it. It came. I had a dream. Um, mm. I, I won't go into the dream here because it's it's a family show. But I went. In, I had this dream and I woke up <laughs> and it was clear. And I sat down and literally, I, I just, I just wrote out the whole um, plan for the whole novel, literally start to finish. This idea was sort of in the middle; it was like the pivotal moment of the whole thing. My brain just added the, the bit before, the bit after, but and I sat and I wrote the whole novel in two, three weeks. Just hammered the first draft, just hammered it all out, and then it took me a month, a few months to, to knock it into shape. Um, mm. So that can, and it's funny. I mean, you, you think you know, a a, reg, a a non-creator, a regular person, will wake up from a nightmare, and it'll probably you know bug them for a bit, and oh god, can't, you know, we we get up from a nightmare, we write them down. You know, <laughs> I have a lot of a lot of my nightmares, a lot of even you know weird thoughts I have during the day, they're written down. They're in 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 you know one or more of my books. You know, so it is. It's a bizarre existence, you know. We 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 live in our heads, you know. When when you're working on a novel, you know, and you, you you're living with the characters, you know. You've got, and it's funny. I mean, I, I I'll find myself worrying about a character. Oh, what to, oh he's made up. <laughs> I made it. He's not real, Jim. You know, <laughs> you just made him up. Um, but you, yeah. you do. You start. You 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 grow to love your characters. And I'm, I'm, the novel I'm writing at the moment is, is based in a, a small town. It's probably my most ambitious project yet. It's got a lot of characters. It runs on two timelines. Um, lots of stuff going. I mean, it's, it's, you know, the basic premise is pretty simple, but everything going on around it. Um, and I'm, I'm, you know, I find myself, you know, walk, walking through. You know the the town square and in the park and popping into the antique store and you know it's just it's almost like about leading a parallel existence, you know. Yeah, yeah. But then, how do you so when you're writing stuff? Because sometimes I find you know that as an author, you have this story to tell, and in your mind, you might think that it would come out one way. But by the time you finish, you're like, oh, wow, okay, what's on paper didn't sound anything, you know, like what um, what I've actually put down because the characters, they speak to you. And sometimes, you know, they're quite a sweetie bunch and they change their mind. They say, oh, yes, maybe we should do this. I was like, no, actually, this would be better. And then you have, and so sometimes, you know, you might think you're going to end up writing a horror story. And then you find yourself, by the time you've put it all down on paper, it's actually a complete different genre. So I'm, Assuming you probably don't set out, you know, um, 
to write something horror, but then how do you actually end up with something that is truly scary? Well, you know, it's the opposite for me. Anything, anything I've tried to write always has that element of, of horror in it. Likewise, the horror that I write always has um, a, an element of dark humor in it. Um, I have, you know, a, a warped sense of humor. Um, I've, I've done, I've written comedy. I've, I've written and performed stand-up comedy. Uh, so I, I, I like funny stuff. So, and a lot of it's funny, I was getting the reviews uh, for my books. A lot of people would pick that out, they'd, they'd spot that. And for me, it's just, it's not forced, it's just my style, you know? And there's just those little sprinklers, and it brings, because there's humor in everything in life, even the most grim circumstances, just that little grit. And it's the part of the human condition that we will find that humor. So, even the most horrific stories, just those, just those little. And it's like sprinkling of real life, you know? Um, yeah. And I, it's funny, I actually was commissioned to write a pilot for a sitcom a few years ago. And, um, <laughs> and, I, and I was really proud of it. And he, he, the guy loved it. It's a great gym. He said, but can we take the torture scene out? <laughs> okay. Yeah, okay. It's a sitcom. We shouldn't have a torture scene. Right. Oh, fair enough. Um, so whatever, you know, but, which is why, you know, I haven't ever so far, set off to write a you know regular story um because everything i set out to write is you know dark or horrific you know uh, it's funny like I, I mentioned the, the, the sci-fi short story which was you know i had the ending you know the, the twist i had in my mind before i wrote the thing so i knew how that was going to end out and whilst you know characters yeah characters can turn out to be different to as you originally planned some of the scenarios can, you know, mm-hmm. new ones will come into your head as you're writing, others that you thought, yeah, that'll be that, and it, it ends up being different. But for me, again, I can't speak for any other writers, but for me, you know, the, the end is always what it was going to be. You know, the story, that's the story. The telling can change, but mm-hmm. the end and the theme of it remains for me. I mean, I've, I've never... Yeah, set, off, set out to write a horror story and end up with a romantic comedy. <laughs> it may happen. If I started to write a romantic comedy, in fact, if I, I have plans for a book, hopefully to start writing next year, which will not be horror. It's a, well, I think they call it a dramedy. Um, okay. You know, sort of a, 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 sort of a character. It's about a particular character. It's... Um, <laughs> I'm just trying to think of uh, movies you may have seen, like Everything Must Go with, with Will Ferrell, that, that, that sort of thing, you know, where it, it's not lots of dramatic character, but it's about something like, uh, well, like Chuck Polinick would write, for example. Mm. Um, and it, it's, it's funny, I was discussing this with somebody a while ago, and she thought, oh, that'd be great, you know, so you could do this and this and all these horror things. Because uh, it's about a guy who was a hoarder, you know, these compulsive hoarders. So he, he, he can have dead bodies in the... No, no, he, he holds trash and he can't throw anything away. That's what he has. And this is about him and, and his life and the people he knows. And he's a bit of a love interest with a, a girl from his, his um, compulsive, obsessive uh, support group. And, you know, and, and that's it. You know, the drama is he, he's, he, he, he creates great art and he, he's getting ripped off by some ruthless art dealer and that. No horror. I'm not going to have dead bodies head now, and it's going to be about. And I, I tell you now, there'll be there'll be some darkness creeping in, <laughs> and it's going to be difficult not to have you know, in hoarding dead bodies, you know, like John Wayne Gacy and that. I don't want that. I want 
to tell this guy's story. I want the character to be the story. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and rather than the scenarios around him being the story, you know, that, that stuff happens around him, obviously, to, to make it interesting. But I want mm. it to be about him. You know, so that'll be that'll be challenging. I'm looking forward to it because it, it'll be challenging. It'll be, but for now, it's all it's all horror stuff right now. So, mm-hmm. so could you think anybody can just decide one day that I can be a horror writer? Sorry, say that again. Can you? What? I said, do you think anybody can just wake up one day and say, "I want to write a horror story"? Uh, <laughs> no. So can you just can you you can you let, I, I need to let my dogs out. Is that okay? Sorry. I need to let my dogs out, otherwise they're going to stand at the door and bark. Mate, can I do that? Can you edit that out? <laughs> of course, take your time. <laughs> so no, this is no, it's fine. This, this is all, all part of real life. Here we go. Here we go. We we, we took we took my puppy for his shots um, yesterday, and gave him a little stuffed toy, and now it's literally all over the house. There we go. There we go. Do you know, it, it, it sounds like we're running a, a sort of a dog fighting ring here, but we're not, I promise you. <laughs> um, I, to answer the question, um, no, I don't think you can. I mean, I, I in my role as publisher, so we, we, I launched, uh, with, with a couple of fellow writers, we launched a um, an independent publishing house beginning of this year. So we do get a lot of, obviously, manuscripts coming through now. Um, you can tell the people who are, the trying to be a horror writer, you know what I mean? I mean, some are good writers. Um, mm. You know, the style is there, and they, they picked a genre that really isn't for them. I think, it, it, I think we said on the off, you know, it is it's a certain mindset, you know, and a certain way with words and understanding of how to use words to to create, you know, a feeling of horror and yeah. play with your readers emotions and senses, you know? And it can be down to just, you know, you know, you just get a regular sentence, you know, you, you could just change one word, you know, and use your thesaurus, people, um, and it can make all the difference, you know, and I think when it comes naturally, you know, yeah. it's... I think maybe some some people, you know, they they, they can write, but they, they you know, they, they try different genres, you know, and they'll have a go at different things. Just maybe to, to see what what suits them. Um, and I think that the, the worst is when people sort of try to write for a specific, you know, romantic comedies, are, you know, romantic comedy novels, are, you know, sell well. I'm, I'm going to write one of those, you know, and that never works. You know, you should always write, Write what you know, and you know, write write what interests you. Right. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I I've taken on. I I, I did some script writing uh, a while ago, and I, I was commissioned to write a couple of screenplays that didn't. I mean, they, they were okay. I mean, it was money. You know, I was, uh, they didn't, obviously didn't need to pay the bills, but so I, I took these on, and it was it was hard. It was hard slog because I wasn't mm. really. Living it, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really. Uh, it didn't grab me like you know some of the other stuff that I. I, I tend. I, I now write. You know, I know better because there's nothing worse than dreading sitting down at the keyboard, and yeah. you would. I, I would procrastinate. I would put it off. I would find any excuse not to. 
Yeah, and I realised I'm just. In fact, there was there was one project a guy, um, a local guy, uh, like a local filmmaker, and he's got the he's, he's a successful um, uh, what do you call it uh, online movie series dance. It's like a dance and tells a story. But he had this whole story planned out, and he wanted somebody to novelise it. So you know, I had a couple of meetings with him, and you know, I'll, I'll go. You know, and I just couldn't do it because I mean, the, the the big killer was. I mean, obviously he he had his set ideas, so I had to work within his parameters. And then he said, "Well, you know, I want to appeal to sort of the, you know, the, the, the PG thirteen audience, you know, your Harry Potter audience and Twilight audience." Oh well, I just can't. <laughs> just, and I did try. I, I I spent a week or two on it, and I I wrote what I wrote, and it, I read it back, and it was just dreadful. And I just can't. I had to say, well, I'm going to have to duck out. I cannot do this. You know, it's not. You know, it's not me. And yeah. You know, I got to the point where I was just dreading sitting down. And I, I should really, you know, writing is something I enjoy, and I have to enjoy it to do it. Yeah. And if, if I'm not enjoying it, then it just ain't going to work. <laughs> no, of course, of course. You know, writing is something that I think people who write, um, you know, books, um, especially fiction books, you know, in fact, even nonfiction You've got to have a passion for what you're writing. If not, it just becomes excruciatingly painful oh, um, to do because you're basically is. getting things from your mind and you're forcing your mind to do something it doesn't want to do. Yes. Yeah, I mean, we, we've all worked in jobs. I have. I've worked in jobs um, that I've hated. Uh, I, I My previous career, I was in sales and marketing for... Toyota, Duracell, some some big big companies, and great money, company cars, expensive, get all that lot, and I was miserable because it wasn't allowing my creative brain, you know, the chance to breathe. Mm. So I, I know what that's like, you know. Then to think, right, I'm finally doing what I've always wanted to do since I was like seven if not younger, I'm writing and I'm enjoying writing what I want to write, um, to then be doing stuff that I really I'm not enjoying this. Um, I, I'm because I'm, I'm used to sort of, you know, <laughs> prostitute myself out for for money. Um, <laughs> I, I, I would, I, not literally, figuratively. I, I could do it. You know, I've written <laughs> in place for people. Um, I, I wrote, I, you know, one of my favourites was a, sort of a, a family, a family animated screen. They, they, they're just on with getting funding for it now. From, you know, similar to something that Pixar would, would churn out. Uh, about in, it was about insects. So I thought, well, you know, insects are my first love. Always, I still do, still mad about insects. And I, I, I actually enjoyed that. It was a family, you know, there was some dark bits in it and humour and all that. And I really enjoyed that. You know, that was good. That was fun. So I, I think it's one of those things, you know, if, if you want to be a, you know, sort of part-time writer, hobby, and I know a lot of people who do that, they have day jobs. I'm lucky that I don't have to have a day job now. Which, yeah. you know, if that's what you have to find, you know, you need to eat, feed the kids and pay the bills and all the rest of it. But if you're lucky enough not to have to, then go for it. It is, it's a lonely, it's a lonely poor existence, I have to say. <laughs> Yeah. But in out of interest um, though, do you get enough sales from your books um to not have to work? 
I'm I'm looking. I mean, I'm now making money from my books. I'm making money from the publishing company I set up. Um, my my wonderful wonderful wife uh, works herself to death to support me. Um, I, and for my bit, you know, I, I I manage the house and the children. I'm I'm sort of house dad as well, so I do have that going on. Uh, and it works. And it gives me the time to to, to write. And clearly. I, what I'm writing is what people want, which is great. My yeah. big ambition, of course, is to get into you know one of the one of the big big four, big five publishing houses, which hopefully will happen. Now I am I'm getting more and more stuff out there. I'm, I'm building a good reputation as a as a good writer, getting some great mm. reviews, getting some exposure. You know, because I'm in, in that environment, I'm speaking to writers who, who've done that. You know, they, they've made that step, and it, it, it's you know, it's a big step to take. Um, the strategy always was get stuff out, get stuff out in the you know, in the. I, I haven't self-published anything. I refuse, refuse to self-publish because I think that sort of sort of doesn't doesn't really make the point that I wanted to make. But the point was, you know, I, I want to show that. Publishers will accept my stuff and are making money out of it because you then go to the next stage, get an agent, go to an agent, and say, right, I've got this, 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 and this out, and they're selling well, and I've got a good reputation, etc., and hopefully get signed. Mm. That's the that's the plan. <laughs> that's the plan. That's the plan. Well, it sounds no very idea. good. No idea. No idea. But you get people who. They, they will knock something together, and then they're trying to get you know into the, the, the big public. I mean, it, that doesn't work that way. Um, and self-publishing, I'm not going to knock self-publishing, you know, because that has the the guy who wrote The Martian. That was a self-published book. Um, Fifty Shades of Grey started off as a self self-published fan fiction. So it, mm. it it can work. It can work. You just happen to hit the right person or hit the right the right vein, and away you go. But mm. I, I've sort of I've, I've my plan. But the more stuff I have out there, the more chance there is of somebody saying, "Oh, this is good. I like this." You know, what one of the big movie companies saying, "What what we really need is it's the next big creature movie after Piranha," and they just have mm. to pick up my centipede book and think, "Here we go, get the guy on the phone." Nice. So it's, it's yes. just about that's the idea. It's all about just getting stuff out there. Just, just more and more. I mean, and good stuff as well. There are people who flood the market with some, and I've seen some terrible stuff. I mean, oh dear me. Since <laughs> 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 um, since doing pub, the publishing as well, obviously we get a lot of people sending stuff, and I would say a good sixty, maybe seventy percent of it is just terrible. Uh, but for the you know thirty percent that is not terrible, and there's some really good stuff out there, which is great. You know, we we snatch that with both hands. Well, yeah, we'll publish that one. <laughs> yes, but anywho, it's coming to that time where I feel like I'm going to have to kick you out of my virtual cafe. I mean, I, like I haven't finished. I haven't finished my bangers and mash yet. Can I take you to go box? I'll have a go box, please. Do you find that people in America do that, or is that just a very British thing where we just like to pick 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 our food away? 
No, do you know, he's, he's been here. No, I mean, they can they can even, if you're halfway through your iced tea, they'll, they'll put that in a thing for you. You can take that. Now, uh, you often see people walking out of restaurants here with boxes of stuff. Um, we always do. We always do. Even if we just bring it home for the dogs. <laughs> I paid for well, I think it's probably a British thing. I paid for that. I'm not going to have it. No, oh, God, no. Yeah, no, I was, it's funny we went to, um, there's a, uh, my son's soccer season has just finished and the whole team went for a Mexican meal yesterday and you know, we came home with three or four boxes of stuff, it was great, it'll keep us going for a day or two. <laughs> I really love takeaway boxes and when you come, because that's one less cooking you have to do. Exactly, exactly, although, you know, we're terrible, we'll bring it home and then forget about it. Or we'll, you know, we'll not, and then like three or four days later. But like I say, I mean, we have four dogs, so there's never any waste in this house. They will, they're just like little garbage disposal. They will eat anything. <laughs> so and it's great, you know, because the dogs, the dogs are getting well fed. So they do, they do like pizza. They do like pizza, give them that. But yeah, I'm sorry. This is this has been it's been great. Thank you. Um, I mean, anybody wants to check me out, my website is www.jameslongmore.com. So. That's that's an easy one to remember. I've, everything I've everything I've ever done is on there. Which is I know you cool. on Twitter. <clears throat> I am on Twitter. I think I think it's James underscore Longmore. I think uh, I'm on Facebook. <laughs> You're not even sure. I don't know. I've got it. Well, I've, I've got it all set up on my computer that remembers everything, and I, I just log in and off you go. I think it's James underscore Longmore. It could just be James Longmore. One of the two. Uh, I'm on Facebook as James Longmore. Um, I think that's it, really. I've not really embraced all social media just yet, but uh, working <laughs> on it. Well, you're getting I just, there. I just you're don't have time. I don't, I don't have time to get... I mean, Facebook takes up a lot of time. You know, just, just keeping on top of groups and, you know, trying to get involved in chats with, you know, authors and publishers and what have you. And it, 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 it's, it's very time-consuming. Very time-consuming. I tend to do a lot of it. Now I've got it on my phone. Um, I've got a lot of it on the toilet. <laughs> so if, 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 I'm, if I'm ever talking to you on Facebook, there's a good chance I'm sitting on the toilet, so you've been warned. <laughs> too much visual. Too much visual, James. There you go. So I'm, so I'm, I'm, painting, painting, I'm doing what I do, painting a picture for you. <laughs> <laughs> too much visual. But no, it's been Sorry. an absolute pleasure having you, you know, in my virtual cafe and giving you your bangers and mash with mushy peas and onion gravy. Yeah, oh, I remember. Now you're talking. Now you are talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's been it's been great. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm glad we, we we did finally get to speak. It's been great. Yes, and hopefully we'll see you again soon on my virtual cafe. That's the Shagilal Salami show. I will look forward to that. All right, then. Take care now. Until next time. Okay. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye.